Warning, this podcast may be disturbing to some listeners. Due to the graphic nature, listener discretion is advised. Welcome from wherever you are. This is the Demon Inside Podcast. I'm your host, John Benham. If you would like to review another episode of the Demon Inside, you can go to Spotify, Apple Music, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, and any podcast platform. And please, don't forget to subscribe and rate us with five stars. A new episode will come out once a week. And welcome back to the Demon Inside. Hello, my Demon Insiders, and welcome back to the Demon Inside. I am your host, John Benham, and today we are going to be talking about the Demon Inside, Matthew Bernard. But before we begin that, I want to go over three cases that I found that are similar to this one. And I actually did all three on season one. So if you haven't heard season one, I would go back and listen to that. It was Austin Haroff, Anderson Joseph, and Rudy Eugene. So if you can go back and listen, that would be great. If you can't, I'm going to do a little review for you right now. Take a listen to this. On May 26, 2012, Rudy Eugene attacked and maimed Ronald Popple, a homeless man on the MacArthur Causeway. Eugene accused Popple of stealing his Bible, beat him unconscious, removed Popple's pants, and bit off most of Popple's face above his beard, including his left eye, leaving him blind in both eyes. Eugene came to be known as the Miami Zombie and the Causeway Cannibal. The attack ended with Eugene being fatally shot by an officer of the Miami Police Department. So friends and family of Eugene didn't know why he had done this. Police sources speculated that the use of a street drug like bath salts might have been a factor Experts expressed doubt, since toxicology reports were only able to identify small amounts of marijuana in Eugene's system, leaving the ultimate cause of his behavior unknown. Anderson Joseph, on February 4, 2014, near Delray Beach, was a naked man possessing what authorities described as superhuman strength. He assaulted a retired police officer and bit another man on the face before he was fatally shot during a confrontation with deputies. Anderson Joseph was 28 and he was killed by the sheriff's deputies. After he continued to threaten officers, even after being struck by a deputy stun gun, a video showed that Joseph, after he was hit by the stun gun, 
in the front of the apartment complex. He was naked, sweaty, extremely muscular, bent forward in an aggressive stance with a crazed look on his face and eyes, and was exceedingly close to a sergeant when he was shot, according to the attorney's report. While deputies initially described it as a case of excited delirium, Joseph had no drugs in his system other than an anti-seizure medication, according to a toxicology report. Then the third one was Austin Haroff in Jupiter, Florida on August 15, 2016. Remember, my demon insiders, first one was at 2014 or 2012, then at 2014, and now at 2016. Two years in between each one. And all of them happened in Florida. So with Austin Haroff, he killed Joseph John Stevens and his wife, Michelle Mishkan. And prior to eating Joseph's face, the assault was unwarranted, police theorized, that he may have been utilizing the medication bath salts or flaca after a neighbor, Jeff Fisher, saw the assault, he attempted to intercede and was additionally wounded. He additionally called cautioning police about the assault. At the point when police showed up, they said Austin was incredibly solid. An official terminated a taser on different occasions in endeavor to curb him, yet it fizzled. It took four officers and a canine to pry Haroff off of the person in question. Austin was making creature commotions and snorting and snarling as officials yanked him away. All three cases happened in Florida. All three cases, the men stripped down, started attacking people, biting at the faces, were growling, making animalistic sounds. All had superhuman strength, and all three were not on drugs, were not on flaca, were not on basalts. These are the similarities that I started to see in these cases. Each case was two years apart from each other. So it kind of struck me as a surprise when I heard about the Matthew Bernard case, which didn't happen in Florida. Take a listen. The 18-year-old accused of killing his mother, sister, and one-year-old nephew appears in court for the first time. Matthew Bernard was arrested for first-degree murder and gun charges. 10 News reporter Shane Dwyer explains why his defense is looking at an insanity plea. 
Matthew Bernard appeared in court this morning wearing a green jacket with handcuffs around his wrists, shackles around his ankles, and multiple sheriff's deputies surrounding him. This arraignment had been delayed multiple times before it finally happened today. It didn't last very long, only a few minutes, and Bernard only offered the words, yes, sir, to the judge each time he asked him a direct question. Now that his lawyer is asking for a mental examination to see if Bernard is fit to stand for trial, and the Commonwealth did not object to that. Bernard is being held a Away here from the primary jail in Chatham. Police took him away after the hearing, and the Pennsylvania County Sheriff's Office purposely put a sheet inside the door of the police car, covering Bernard's face to shield him from our camera's view. Bernard is accused of murdering his mom's sister and that sister's baby son. He led police on a wild chase through rural Pennsylvania County when he now famously attacked a bystander naked while running from the police. Bernard's family has told us that he was hearing voices and seeing, quote, demons around his bed in the day leading up to the killings. Police have remained tight-lipped on all of that. The next time Bernard will be in court will be November 6th. That's for his preliminary hearing. Although Bernard is 18 years old and adult, this case remains at this point in juvenile and domestic court, which means we're not sure if we will ever be able to get a camera in the courtroom. In Chatham, Shane Dwyer, 10 News, working for you. He was born to Joan and Matthew Bernard. He was born August 21st, 2000. Emily Bernard Bivens is his sister, and she is married to Blake Bivens. And they have a son, a one-year-old son named Cullen Bivens. Matthew graduated from Dan River High School and was enrolled in Danville Community College. And he worked at his family's campground. And he also attended church twice a week on Wednesdays and Sundays and taught a Christian youth group at Central Boulevard Church of God. His family attended this church on a regular basis. So one week prior to August 27th, according to family members, Matthew had been battling mental health issues. He told his family that he was suffering from nightmares. So I looked up to see if I could find paperwork on the mental health conditions that they were talking about and I guess they didn't take him to the hospital or maybe they weren't that concerned about him, but there were no papers. On the morning of August 27, 2019, in Keeling, Virginia, a criminal complaint was made by a neighbor who told police Matthew came to her house early that morning and punched her in the arm. She later heard several gunshots coming from the family's home where she found the body of Joan Bernard, his mother, in the family's driveway. A responding deputy found the bodies of Emily Bivens, his sister, and her son inside the home with visible gunshot wounds to the head. A rifle was recovered from behind the residence, while spent shell casings were discovered near the bodies of all three victims. A sledgehammer covered in blood was also found in the garage according to the criminal complainant, but they couldn't figure out what the sledgehammer was used for. Matthew is also accused of killing the family's dog. His father, Nelson Bernard, was also present at the time when the tragic incident took place, but he came out unharmed. And it's weird because they don't really say what he knows or what he did or why he was unharmed. 
But police began the manhunt for Matthew, who had run into the woods a mile from the house. He stripped naked and ran a mile back. At this time, the news media arrives and the police chief begins a press conference near the house of the incident. While they're having the press conference, a short time later, Matthew comes running out of the woods, naked and growling at the media people, and attacks a church groundskeeper before the police stopped him. Cops said he was in obvious mental distress. When they couldn't subdue him with batons and pepper spray while trying to arrest him, Remember, superhuman strength. He ultimately was collared with the help from a canine and two state troopers. His uncle, Bryant Bernard, told the local media that Matthew injured himself when he was in the police vehicle. In fact, he banged his head against the vehicle's window and then authorities took him to the hospital. We will be right back after a word from our sponsors. And welcome back to the Demon Inside. Now it's time for a little segment called Shout Out with Uber. So a lot of you out there know that I do Uber. And those of you that have been in my car, I told you that I was going to give you a shout out like Danny and Josh. Uh, thanks for being in my in my Uber car and... Thanks for being good customers to me. Uh, Enrique and Priscilla. So these two guys, oh my God, they were so funny. I went to go pick them up from a concert at the Luis Miguel concert. And they're from El Paso. And geez, there was so many people there, they couldn't even find my car. And finally, when they found it, they were like the best sports ever about it. And we were stuck in traffic. We didn't even move from the position where they got into my car for like at least a good 20 minutes. Uh, and then I had to drive them all the way across town to an Airbnb, which was like forever. But so sweet. This couple was awesome. So Enrique and Priscilla, it's good. good. Hopefully you got back to El Paso safe and uh, hope to hear from you again. Then we got Marquise and Lola. So Marquise and Lola were actually on their first date, which was really funny for me because uh, this was the first time they were ever seeing each other face to face. And I don't mean through video, I mean actual contact. And uh, it was so cute because uh, they were both nervous as hell and you can tell they were nervous. So I wish them luck. Uh, especially when I started talking about my podcast and it freaked her out. So, <laughs> And then we got Andrew, Danielle, and Terry. These three were going to uh, Twin Peaks. And uh, great, great people. As soon as I told them, she asked me, Danielle asked me if I did a podcast. And she opened that door. So, of course, I played them my trailer to the uh, podcast. And... They said it was right up their alley, and it's so funny because when these people ask about my podcast and I tell them, or I show them the trailer, they get real quiet, and it's like almost an eerie silence, you know, because they're kind of like, the hell did I just ask him to do? Why are we listening to this? 
but uh, after that, they were pretty cool about it, and uh, they were awesome, so I appreciate it. Hope you all had a good time at dinner, and then lastly but not least, Karen. So Karen is one of these these women that gets in my car by themselves, and uh, God help her, because she brought it up. She brought up the uh, podcast, and I told her about it, and she kind of got a little freaked out too, but at the same time, she was kind of intrigued. So I told her I was going to send her out a shout out and she was very happy about that. So thank you guys for, uh, tipping me and, and pain and, and getting in my car and being super nice and super sweet whenever, uh, any of the customers that I have from Uber get in. And I want to send out a special shout out to my daughter, Anna, Anastasia, and she has given me six of the best grandkids a grandpa can ever ask for and i love her to death and i wish her well and i thought i'd send her a shout out since she started telling me that she's listening to my podcast now so i love you and let's continue with our story according to matthew's cousin jen stallard she says and i quote unfortunately He was suffering from mental illness and came to a breaking point. Matthew is my cousin and I will love him and be there for him because what the public has seen was not him at all. We would never imagine this could have happened. End quote. As the police began their investigation, Jason Atkins came forward. And Jason Atkins is a youth pastor at Central Boulevard Church of God. And he told an investigator he knew Matthew Bernard and described for the investigators an audio diary that Matthew kept on his cell phone. He further told the investigators that Matthew kept an audio diary on his phone of what Matthew described as his thoughts, what he had seen in dreams, visions, and things that he heard from God. And I repeat this, things that he heard from God. Matthew showed Atkins the recordings, but Atkins said he had not listened to them. Mr. Atkins said there are probably a hundred or more recordings on Matthew's phone. Mr. Atkins said Matthew told him he wanted to keep this in case it comes to pass. So I'm assuming it came to pass. So Pennsylvania Sheriff Michael Taylor told reporters at a news conference, and I quote, in my wildest dreams, I never could have imagined it, not him. Of all the people in this world, I never could have imagined it. He added, this boy's a Christian went to church every Sunday, every Wednesday, every Sunday night, taught youth groups, just an all-around perfect kid in my opinion. Taylor said during the press conference that he doesn't know of any past incidents at the family home, nor could he speak to a motive. He didn't disclose the manner of death for the victims, but noted a firearm was used in the incident, but we already know that now. We know that all three were shot and killed. During the manhunt, the sheriff's office stated Matthew was armed with a rifle. Emily, 
his sister, who was married to Blake Bivens, a 24-year-old pitcher. Now, here's where these these three cases that I did prior in this case become the same. Remember, my demon insiders, first every two years, this is two years exactly after the last incident with uh, Austin Haroff. And they were all from Florida with the exception of this case until now. Blake Bivens, who married Emily, was a pitcher for the Montgomery Biscuits in the Tampa Bay Rays organization. And where is Tampa Bay? Of course, Florida. The child was his son, according to ESPN. And it, I just want to bring this up. Think about what just happened. This demon probably hitched a ride and went to this place. Now, did he know this was going to happen? More than likely. These demons are very well aware of tragedies and incidents that are going to happen before they happen because they have no sense of time. Their timeline is not the same, and I've talked about this before. But here's my problem with this whole case. That brings all of it together because now we got the naked man syndrome who's growling the supernatural strength all of this leads back to Florida but he also shot and killed his family so could it have been two demons that were inside of him could it have been a family annihilator demon and this demon that we had talked about before that came from Florida. So this case is fairly new and right now it's still in the court systems. They still haven't really charged him yet. They uh, have been holding him and they've already gone through four different evaluations. He's actually on suicide watch at this time. And for me, I'm assuming because they have not said about toxicology, but I am assuming that there were no drugs in the system as well because they've already allowed, and this is the judge, is allowing them to send him to a psychiatric facility to get tested for the fourth time. So they're still not sure if he's mentally capable. But I think he's possessed by two separate demons. And these two demons used him to kill those three people. And what better way than to do it to somebody that is in the limelight? who ESPN came on and talked about the incident and told uh, 
Mr. Bevins, Blake Bevins, you know, we apologize for what happened to your family, you know, moment of silence type of stuff, and this hit everybody in the sports world. And then you got to remember, too, this kid who was a Christian, who was teaching other kids about Christianity, who was very religious, very devout in his religion. And this demon, our demons, come and take all that away. When did that happen? How did it happen? Was there a moment of weakness? Did he allow these things to come into him? Because I believe that the better a person is religiously, spiritually, loving towards God, the more they're tempted. And I've said this for a long time. I've always believed that People that are very God-committed will be tested by these demons, will be harassed by these demons until they're allowed in because they want to ruin the life of the person and everything around them because that's what demons do. Thanks for listening. I hope you like the show. And we'll see you next time. Don't forget to subscribe to the Demon Inside podcast on any podcast platform. A new episode of the Demon Inside will be released every week. Let us know what you think of the episode on all our social media platforms. If you have any questions or comments, go to the Demon Inside Podcast at gmail.com or click on the link down below. We would love to hear from you. And to become a Demon Insider, go to our website, thedemoninsidepodcast.com. We thank you for listening and hope you will join us next week for a new Demon Inside Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please tell your friends. I am John Venom, and I'll see you next time. If I don't get possessed. The Demon Inside was written and created by James Porter. It is a production of Venomous Entertainment. Background music is by Lucas King. And the title song, Demon Inside, was produced by Rice Pulver, composer lyricist Peter Shelley, and performed by Conjure One.